and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. I'm joined this week by two guests. New Zealander Nikita Fisher runs Palmer Fisher London in Clapham along with her husband Jonathan. And she's a colourist and cutter of great skill and repute. She won the L'Oreal Colour Trophy for London in 2018 and is a regular winner at the Colour World Awards. She currently holds the title of Commercial Colour Genius 2022 and Innovative Colour Genius 2022. Caroline Matthew is based in Brighton. She's a freelance colourist and cutter and also works at the Simon Webster Salon. She's the winner of the Creative Colour Genius Trophy in 2021. Her Instagram is brimful of compliments on her cutting and colouring skills. So hello and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast Studio, Nikita Fisher and Caroline Matthew. Nice to see you. Hi, Thanks hi. for having me. You too. Thank you for joining me. I thought it would be fun to have a conversation with two women, hairdresser, colourists. Need to, a bit more profile for the women in this industry, <laughs> I think. Um, and to have a, have a mix. So Caroline, you're based in Brighton. Yeah. As a freelance and working at the Simon Webster Salon as well. And then Nikita, you and Jonathan own the Palmer Fisher London Salon in Clapham. That's nearby. Right. Yeah. And then I know you both through Colour World specifically. Mm-hmm. So which has been joyful for colourists everywhere to get to know each other, I think, and to really sort of big up. And it really strikes me how, you know, there's so many women working in hairdressing. And yet it's still quite hard to get a place in the spotlight as a woman hairdresser is it just me or do you two feel that as well um yeah I I remember sort of growing up and and looking at uh hairdressing role models and there was always more men in the spotlight yeah but back when there were more kind of uh celebrity hairdressers it's always kind of been that way it's true and I think it's a preference like my mother-in-law would always be like I prefer a man doing my hair (laughs) really (laughs) which I'm like that's quite shocking (laughs) I don't know I think it comes down to just creating your own personality like who you are you attract your clientele don't you and then now it's all on social media it's just important to put that out because I think if we don't no one ever knows who we really are so yeah Yeah. so it's given platform now in my introduction I reminded our listeners that you have each won trophies at the Colour World Genius Awards and I think that the, the colour awards are often dominated by women, but other awards are often dominated by men. So is there a link between, I don't know, something about having a career break for families or something? Do you think it's harder for women to sort of keep keep their career in a very visible way once you've had a break? I don't know. I'm being sensitive, Nikita, because I know you're actually on maternity leave at the moment. Yeah, no, no, honestly. I mean, I suppose men are, generally speaking, in a situation, this is, you know the way of the world these days but you know adoption's an option surrogacy there's millions of ways that men are able to have families as well right Mm. it's important to have a balance not completely stop your career if you've had a baby right um but just pick and choose what suits your lifestyle and like i'm yeah i'm letting my little one just kind of be part of our life yeah but and caroline do you do you think that traditionally salons have perhaps not been so easy for people to come back to work from from you know, from your history? Well, um, I used to have a salon mm. for about 12 years and I do remember that um, whenever the women went off to have babies, they would end up staying on maternity leave longer than they'd originally said. Yeah. But all, my, all the people that worked in my salon were self-employed, yeah. so it was right. a little bit different. Um, but they originally wanted to come back as soon as possible. <laughs> then when you have a baby, it's yeah. quite different and I think it's quite difficult to leave. Yeah. And then I think just the, the things that, 
you know, you kind of um, wait for them to go to school so you have a bit of spare time and that kind of thing. Yeah. The sorts of hours that majority of them could come back and we had nine pregnancies while I was there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, was, uh, you know, this kind of school drop-off. So the 10 till 3 they could work and then not very flexible because then you cannot be late. Yeah. So if yeah. you're taking on something that you it could overrun, you can't take it on, basically. So yeah. I think they always found it really difficult um, coming back and making it work and, and making enough money for it to be worthwhile to come mm. back the 10 till 3 or mm. childcare or whatever. It's very tricky for for women and it was majority of the time the women that would be the ones that would stay yeah. to look after the kids it is yeah. true I mean it's a lot of pressure on the women isn't it but I mean I suppose there's one thing like running your client base and like being a business owner and even being freelance like you're obviously your clients rely on you to be there right like you can't yeah. be sick your yeah. babies could your babies could get sick and yeah. you're going to be at home with the baby but still the things that like in my career that I really want to do is like the awards and the events and the things that really excite me as well. So maybe it's finding balance. Like I don't think it's about like women not being able to do the things they want to do in their career. It's just finding the time to fit in yeah. what you want to prioritize because yeah. surely we're not going to work nine to nine, five days a week when you've got a family, yeah. but you could still do an event or like a podcast or a show or a photo shoot once a month. Even you're still, you're getting your fingers yeah. everything which yeah. for it me just is takes what more, excites more organization yeah but maybe maybe it's um what's happening now and i know is horribly covid's kicked it off but we are having a bit of a rethink about how we organize the industry in some ways actually not just in hairdressing people are, are striving for a different kind of mm-hmm. balance mm-hmm. caroline you were saying you so you're freelance having owned a salon yeah tell me a little bit about your story then when did you sort of decide to make the move to to go down the freelance route and how are you finding it Oh, well, I, uh, I've kind of, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I can sense a story coming on here. Uh, well, I've been self-employed or freelance really since uh, I was about 19 and then right. had the salon for the 12 years right. sort of in the middle. You, you trained in a salon setting or a college setting? College. And then was freelance for quite a long time? Yes. Yeah. And what made you then decide to go from freelance to setting up your own business? Um, so I met someone who was very driven and um, also wanted to know what my dreams were as well. Um, so he'd set up a barbershop and an opportunity to, came up to set up a salon in a position that didn't really have a modern salon that was uh, keeping up with trends and um, having people trained regularly. So yeah. uh, within that town, it was just... Um, a very good opportunity and position to open something that was uh, what I wanted to do, which was keeping high fashion, high fashion yeah. trends, yeah. Um, keeping up with things. I, I love learning, and um, I realised after I opened the salon, I really enjoyed training people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and you had it for about so. twelve years, you yeah. said. Yeah, and enjoyed it mostly. Uh, I, I would say I enjoyed some parts of it. It, it was very successful, very busy. Um, I became a workaholic, I worked too hard, I got ill quite a lot, Um, had some success stories from it, from people that I trained opening salons and that kind of thing, which is lovely to see. Um, uh, But I think I'm not naturally a manager, 
um, I really wanted to come back to hairdressing and, and just be doing that yeah. and then it sometimes, might fall into the creative yeah. side, yeah. When you've got a business, sometimes you move away from the, the craft, you know, as a yeah. journalist, now I own a company and we publish things and actually I don't do the writing mm-hmm. so much. And that's what you started mm-hmm. off. Yes, yeah. you end up managing things like that. Yeah. So it is, it's different. Nikita, you and Jonathan set up Palmer Fisher in 2020? Yeah, yeah, we did. So 2020, right as lockdown started, so we had three weeks of opening, and then <laughs> lockdown, whatever it was, number three, I think, happened. Um, so we, yeah, we're in the position where, luckily, my husband does the business side, so, you Great. know, we can really separate Perfect. that, and I, yeah. I personally stay far, far away from everything to do with the numbers and mm. figures, and that's not my domain at all. Um, so hats off to him because he takes on all the pressure of the business side. Um, but we're both obviously creative and I do all the colouring as well as cutting. But Jonathan's the cutting specialist and then I'm the colour specialist. So we have a great little team now. It works um, up. So it you're does. enjoying I the salon. Yeah, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know how anyone does it on their own. Well, you know. I, well, I did it with someone else as well, mm. but we were both hairdressers okay. and we were both fully booked all the time. Yeah. So it wasn't that oh, we took stressful. a step back from the hairdressing and the creativity, mm-hmm. but it was so busy and mm-hmm. so... Uh, d- d- you know, all doing the jobs of everything. That yeah. it was, it was more than one job. You weren't just a hairdresser. Huge. Oh, it's it's that endless. Training, you know? Every yeah. business owner would definitely feel the same. I think it's yeah. really difficult Overwhelming. to do it. But I got caught up in it yeah. for so long. I yeah. was like, actually, this is not what I want. Yeah. I want to go back to the core of the creativity. And you're enjoying that now. I'm it's loving it. The right mood. It is definitely more for me. And mm-hmm. I've realised, yeah, I am not a manager. Yeah. <laughs> our, our creative minds are like that. I, I say this all the time. And even being a business owner, I'm not to my husband. I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored. Like I need to do something. You know. And if it's just doing a photo shoot or whatever it is, something that's going to excite me or yeah. enter a competition or do a really cool yeah. content model or something where I can be really creative because yeah. I think we all get used to the mundane client yeah. bread and butter, which is obviously very important for your business, but maybe not the most creative, yeah. Yeah. generally speaking, in the day. So yeah, I think it's just important to mix it up, isn't it? As to soon as I start to feel a bit like um, I'm sort of just eat on an even kill, mm-hmm. you know, not... Um, not getting too many highs and lows and pushing myself out, put myself on a course, yeah. try and find something that uh, I can learn from. Do you? That's yeah. interesting because yeah. that was a bit, well, let's go to that question now. It's a bit further down my list. Let me ask you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> Let me ask you now. So, so Caroline, to keep yourself motivated and learning, yeah. you said you put yourself on a course. I mean, how do, you take, how do you find something that you want to go on? Do you take advice or do you, are you... Are you directed by a brand that you work with or how? Oh, how I mean, do you all sorts. I mean, um, are we allowed to mention brands? Of course you are, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been with Goldwell for like uh, 16 years or something like that. Um, but, I, you know, because of that, I started to get really kind of like, you know, just knowing the colours really easy, you know, not having to think too much. Mm. And um, so now just ch- just changed over to Evo and I'm loving it because I'm being challenged again and so that's just one thing that has really changed my thinking and making me sit down and think okay what am I going to use and why am I going to use that um, whereas I'd got sort of really yeah. sort of happy-go-lucky with going we'll stick well, to know. our favourites as colourists, yeah, well, don't exactly, we? It's yeah, terrible yeah. We and now I have to get the colour book and look at it again, whereas before I didn't even need the colour book, I yeah, knew the letters so and numbers well, off so, by heart yeah. without even seeing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, courses, I mean, you know, we all follow people on Instagram mm-hmm. and are inspired by people and, and a lot of people now are using that platform to do their own training, so it's not just a big brand that will be doing <coughs> training, um, it's uh, individual people, That's which true. there's loads out there. There's so many people freelancing yeah. now yeah. isn't it doing the education yeah. side so so do Instagram, you so yeah. Nikita what about you are you a are you a social media 
scroller. Oh, yeah. Seeker of inspiration. Guilty, Guilty as charged. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like the same, literally, as Caroline. I, I, you know, I've booked myself on courses. I think that's really important. And even a lot of the time with, like, freelance hairdressers, you know, I've been all around the country doing things like that, as well as educating for Schwarzkopf, um, which I do. I think it's important to keep myself motivated by going on other people's courses and even as an ambassador I'm allowed to go on any other of the ambassadors courses and learn from them directly as well oh, wow. good. so it's really good because I've just got that handful of people right there that I'm able to just go and learn from that are London or wherever I want to go um, but always I think in-house training like in person is mm. better than online isn't it like, yeah. we all got a bit bored of that in lockdown yeah. so yeah. but it's not in the hairdresser's nature really no we're, all visual, about, we're hands know, on yeah. get yeah. messy but sometimes, I mean, I say it to my staff all the time, just get a medic out, get a model in, do something, you know, if they're just, I don't understand, this is just my mentality. If you've got some free time, like, feel it doing something creative, like, mm. that's your opportunity to build mm. your clientele. It's always out there, isn't it, that what we post on social media is what we're going to get in our column and what we're what's brought more to you. I don't know if it's like a manifestation thing or what you put out there is what people are seeing that you're doing. So yeah. if you don't enjoy doing something, if it's blondes or bobs or anything, mm. then don't post it. Post yeah. what you want to do, post right? What, post so what, yeah. you, if you want to go and do some wedding hair in Bali, then post some wedding hair in Bali. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to Bali and do someone's wedding. Yeah. You know, like, it's true. You can kind of get anything Easy. that you want. You just got to post it. So do you see, Nikita, do you see social media then as pretty much a positive? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, It can, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of positives. But this is just how I feel about social media. I think if, if you happen to follow someone that you find annoying and they take over your life because you look at them every day, don't follow them. Yeah. You yeah. know, we all have that You have to edit. You have to self-edit. Because I think can. that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, this person's everywhere. It's like, well, stop looking stop at them. Stop looking at them, you know? And it's you probably still see them somewhere through, you know, yeah. the insights. But actually, you might not need that person at 7 a.m. looking mm. at your phone there every day. So... Of course, I mean, follow the people. We've got the freedom to do that, haven't we? Yeah. So follow the yeah. people that inspire you. And Caroline, do you find it useful? Like, you've commented that you see things on social media. Do you post a lot as well? I've... I mean, I don't post as much as some of the people that I follow, mm -hmm. but I post more than other people I know as well. So I do put some effort into it. I do think it's important, um, especially for younger generations, that is the way they will find you. And, mm. you know, I work in a salon where there's a lot of people as well and you know how does that client distinguish between who they should book in for mm -hmm. a lot of the time they'll sort of say well I knew this salon was really highly rated it comes up high on Google mm. which is brilliant but then who do they know who to go with yeah. so yeah. they go straight to the social media okay who works there I'm yeah. going to Google then uh, so Instagram you get clients names. commenting that they've looked, seen you on social media or, or yeah, looked on social media as an online portfolio mm. really yeah I think you su suited me sort of thing yeah really? it's true it's a lot of like personality checking I would do that if I was a client like mm. I think where would I go if I wasn't a hairdresser and I didn't have a salon or you know where would I go what do you even Google like how would I even find someone mm. hashtag balayage London I don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where would you go to randomly it's put word, things you in. Know, do you find them as um as a having a team and a staff um do you and Jonathan have to check what your team does on social media or do you go right that's their business not ours or how well, do you most people I would say these days have like a salon account like a hair account as well as like a personal account um so of course what they do in their own time is is up to them but when it comes to hair we generally would have a little bit of a say but we don't put any hold on it we're like do what you want to do and we would just like to collaborate you know how that's now a thing on social media you can collaborate with the salon so 
their content is also being posted with the salon at the same time. It benefits them, it benefits us. I know there are a lot of business owners that don't really like their staff to do that um, because it sort of helps build their profile. But I think we feel that we want that. We want to give them that mm. boost. I don't think it's fair to hold your staff back and not let them post because I right. personally enjoy it. Like I yeah. enjoy creating content and videos and I think asking staff to do things like that and then not letting them post it is a bit unfair. So we yeah. like to just collaborate it and then yeah. they're getting the best so out of it. So are you saying you tag each other in it or is there a way of putting the two together? Together, so it's like I've a post that, that you've both done. Yeah, it's called like a collaborator. Oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we so need to look at that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't work unless you've got two accounts. I'm not the techie person here, but I think, yeah. yeah, where I've got quite a few accounts, you can sort of join or I could, you know, join a post with my husband. So, oh. you know, when you're tagging people, yeah. you can, on the opposite side, go yeah. invite a collaborator. Oh, right. So oh, we can just do a collab post and then it, then it goes out all of your followers and all of my followers would see it. Wow. Yeah. So it's okay. like you've both posted it. So it's, it's a really I good way to... I think it's really uh, interesting how social media evolves. It's not just we've mm. got social media and that's it. It keeps on changing as you've just demonstrated that, mm. that comment. You know, there's lots of things to discover and ways of using things. And I yeah. think on the one hand, I'm bet head in hands every time Facebook changes something. I'm like, oh my God, it's <laughs> a headache. Again. Oh yeah. But actually then a few weeks down the line, you think, oh yeah, this is better. Or mm. now it's giving a different opportunity. And I feel as though, you know, there's so much bashing about mm-hmm. social media that actually it's quite nice to say the positive sometimes. I think, yeah, there's pros and cons about everything, but I do think people can get into like a negative spin with it. And it's generally because you're probably in a negative place with your own social media, isn't it really? Like yeah. in a way it's, it becomes a world that I think a lot of people think is fake or not real or too much or, you know, there is lots of negative stigma about it. Yeah. People comparing themselves, but I try and think of social media as like a fun way to share. Like my family are on the other side of the world. Yeah. I like to be like, here's my life. This is what I'm doing. It's it's not to show off at all. It's just mm. to try and show people yeah. what I'm doing. And if it's educational to hairdressers or if it's fun, you know, if it inspires me, I'd like to think it inspires someone else or just something that's beautiful. I post sunsets all the time and stuff like that. I'm a bit of a wanderlust. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, um, Caroline, you answer this first and then Nikita will come to you. What do you think about people worry about social media and about Instagram with all these people who aren't hairdressers posting things and, and sort of like invading our world and everyone's, you know, looking at these influences? Does that bother you or do you think that's not something you think about or do you think it's something that we should be aware of? Um, do you mean influences sort of... Uh, well, d- giving hair demos or, you know, this is how you should braid this or like do home that. tutorials. Yes, people yeah. who aren't hairdressers. Mm. I mean, I think, you know, through the COVID era and that kind of thing, people definitely found that quite helpful. Yeah. And, you know, uh, COVID has changed a lot of people's uh, ways of doing things and they're possibly not coming into the salon as often as they used to and they could sometimes, you know, fall back on using these videos. So, it, you know, possibly some of it has been a little bit damaging to the industry. Yeah. Because, but just like, you know, YouTube's been around for a long time and you can find anything you want on there and learn how to do something. It doesn't mm. mean you're going to do it as well as a professional. It's just like no, any good really. Point. Yeah. Um, mm, so true. I do, I mean, I was speaking to a client the other day and she said, oh, you know, I keep re- recommending you to my friends because they love my colour and they always comment it on it and say how shiny it is and lovely. And I recommend you, but they're just not coming because they've started to, using box dyes now. Oh, no. Oh, and she said, God. you know, that they do see the difference in it, yeah. but they still can't get out of that cycle, even yeah. though they love her hair. Yeah. Well, this um, is what we were saying earlier. It's one of those things that, personally, unless you're like a 100% grey cl- client, really, I don't think people are going to 
try and do a home balayage, are they? Or no, like a no. really creative kind No, I think yeah. it's a one-way street. Yeah. I think once you've gone to a salon, I can't imagine anybody particularly then saying, oh, I can do this at home. Mm. Like you understand it. Yeah. There's other things come into play, like like cost and so on. Mm. But I, I think that it's... Yeah, it is frustrating. People will ask me, you know, for recommends and things. And you sort of think, well, how much are you prepared to pay? Is almost my first question. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just that weird thing, isn't it? Just getting hair to be valued in the same way. It mm. is a really tricky. And times are tough at the moment. Like, everybody yeah. knows that. So, understandably, but I think people might just spread their appointments out, like what you were just saying. Yeah. Rather than every six weeks. My clients are not that regular at all. Mm. My clients are more like every three months because they're yeah. grown out, lived in balayage generally. And, yeah, yeah. you know, no one's really got scalp bleach or a full head of back-to-back highlights. Yeah. Everyone wants low maintenance. But I think as hairdressers, we all learn to... Maybe it was our own hair that we learned to like live in and I created this face frame technique when I was in lockdown because it was like, actually that's not a thing. No one puts two highlights in the fringe and now it's a service that we offer because I can do that in 10 minutes or five minutes and then they can have a haircut. I can still do a cut and a face frame appointment in an hour. It's it's doable. Whereas, you know, that's another... 50 pounds on your bill and it's not about money but it's about offering something that's going to last the client longer mm. yeah and, and that's that is always what they the... want that's where the call is for so yeah. you know I would rather that <laughs> yeah than say oh, do you know what I actually you have to wait six weeks I'm not that kind of hairdresser that will be like oh you need a full head of highlights I'll say yeah. do a t-section that's half the price and that will yeah. last you another yeah. three months like I'd rather be honest with my clients and that's how I am and I think that's what helps them stay. Definitely. Rather than trying clients to oversell. definitely see through if you're not being honest. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm the same as you. I'm honest with them. Look, you don't need that. Yeah. Just go for this. And and they will appreciate that down the line even though it might lose your money at that, at that moment if you could have come in the long someone, run. something bigger. Yeah. But in the long run, uh, if they You've trust got that you. that for life. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So are you seeing when I mean, there's so much talk at the moment, you know, I don't know whether the media's hyped it up, whether we have got really terrible economic doom and gloom coming and then they I don't know then there's a report one day saying oh, it's not going to be as bad as we think and then oh, it's it's just like all over the place isn't mm. it are you seeing it, your clients reflecting concern about finances back to you already are people really it's stressed? a mi- yeah. it's a mix I can't say I'm not in the salon a lot at the moment I'm on maternity leave right. so I am not noticing it personally but Bearing in mind, it's January, so I do think most people have had their hair done before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've sort of individually messaged my regular clients saying, hi, just to let you know I'm doing a few days here and there. But most people have had their hair done December time. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a situation where I think a lot of people work their hair around like events and yeah. holidays. Yeah. And most people yeah. now are probably waiting until summer, really. Yeah, more so than the, the old regular kind of bookings. Six-week tints, It's um, yeah. looking in their calendar ahead for where they're going to want Need to dump it. those specific yeah. events yeah. yeah and being a bit more mindful of it I suppose and yeah financially because people have got so many other costs now don't they yeah. so they might say right okay there's 200 pounds for my hair and you mm. know saving up for that rather than yeah. I don't know how lots of salons now have is it Clara Clara the pay oh, the paying, paying system yeah, yeah. oh you, you can know. spread the cost yeah can't you? which is actually the... quite a good way to do it I think mm. for people so yeah yeah I think you could sign up to it's up to I suppose it's up to the salon to decide whether it's a prepayment so yeah. that you pay it off before you come in mm-hmm. um, or whether it's sort of a bit before and a bit after which I think yeah. is quite nice because to be honest like a big chunk of 300 pound bill is quite scary for a lot of people so yeah. you know to split that is probably a nicer way to do it mm. yeah. hide the credit card from the husband <laughs> <laughs> So I'm interested in the fact that, that you both do, you are both sort of offering hair cutting, styling and colouring. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you, you 
mindfully thought I want to keep doing everything because there's a lot of people will focus on one thing or you know a cutter will say oh I don't do colour or, or vice versa so I don't know it's, I was a bit surprised to find that both of you <laughs> yeah. are all around as um, well maybe we're similar but I, I really love having a varied day yeah. I don't like it to feel all the same mm -hmm. and you know especially when you've been doing it for so long as yeah. well it's just like I love variation I always have and mm -hmm. I love being in different places as well um, so as long as I can keep it varied, then I'm happy. And you know, I'll, like, like you know, I do put a lot of uh, investment into my courses, so mm -hmm. I don't feel that I have to just narrow down to one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you enjoy all of it, why cut some of it out? Yeah. yeah. I feel like in um, different parts of my career, I've done different things specifically, like different jobs. Um, I've been just purely a colorist, and other salons, I've been just a cutter. So I feel like it. For me, I really like, the same as you actually, mm. I really like the variety, I really like doing both and it does mix up my day. It's actually really stressful doing a day of colour, isn't it? Because yeah. you, know, you, you are, you're worrying about the tone and you, look, you have to go, keep constantly going back to check your development and, you know, and um, it is just nice to have a varied day, but yeah. I, you know, can pick and choose now, right? I don't really do a lot of men's hair and yeah. I also do extensions and things like that. So there are other avenues that we can go down as colourists that still add colour into the hair yeah. with extensions which is quite a passion of mine as well so I think it's just nice to have variety yeah. yeah and I do think a lot of clients do like to you know stick with maybe maximum two people in their appointment yeah and, you know not more than that they like the the one-to-one -one sort of thing from, yeah and your vision all the way through yeah to doing the whole thing it's interesting yeah, I think so. the only hard thing for me now that I do limited days I don't know about yourself but where I'm not in the salon often, doing a colour and a cut in my own column is, say, a four-hour chunk if I'm doing a big balayage transformation. Yeah. So that's a huge appointment, whereas if I was just doing the colour, I might only allow two hours for that client. So it means I can actually get more clients in. So from a business yeah. perspective, I'm at the stage where I am just now doing a lot of colour and cuts will go into other people because it means, like you say, that they're seeing two people mm -hmm. um, and it gives me more opportunity to fit more of my clients in. But spreads the clientele out throughout the salon yeah. and you know they're, they're trusting other people I think everyone gets used to their hairdresser and you love your hairdresser yeah. that it's hard for people to see someone new but yeah. um I think yeah. having your own salon though that your clients will trust you and if you say that person is capable of doing this yeah. for you then it's it's good absolutely as a salon manager to kind of be able to and do that for it takes the pressure well. off us a little bit doesn't it yeah. you know like I, there's only so many hours I can work and yeah so many things my hands can do so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So how did it, Caroline, how did you get into hairdressing? Is it in the family? Did you always want to be a hairdresser? Um, this is really weird, but I feel like from about five years old, I was saying that I wanted to be a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Did you? How I knew that at five, I don't That's know. That's um, I mean, Do you remember going to the salon? Was, was it something your mum... I think, you know, I remember, you know, I, I was born in 85, so I was a bit of, you know, early 90s kid, so my mum was definitely cutting the hair in the kitchen, <laughs> yeah. you know, the bowl old cuts. bowl cuts and fringes <laughs> and stuff, um, but I, I do remember going to the salon a little bit, I don't remember much, but, you know, under sort of five, but um, I remember do, going to the salon and the smells and the magazines and the friendly women that were it's around true, yeah. and... Um, I think, yeah, I must have had just some good experiences yeah. there. Maybe I was even going there with my mum for her to get her hair done or something like that. And then as I got older, yeah, I just really enjoyed the environment. And um, and your family was cool with that? Were you encouraged? 
Yeah, well, um, I was very creative and really liked drawing and painting and all those sorts of things. Um, I was quite good at my art lessons at school. And so I was just like, well, what am I going to do that's going to have a guaranteed pay? Because if I just become an artist, mm -hmm. then that's really risky. And I just felt like that might not be the right decision. So I think they were pleased that I found something where I could use my creativity and... Um, and know straight away what I wanted to do, had a focus, um, got into college, worked really hard, and they, they could see that it was my passion. Mm. I was also interested in theatrical makeup as well, and I did do some courses on that too. Mm. Um, I could have just as easily gone into that, but um, I think where I was able to just get into work straight away and start earning, that was very exciting. Mm -hmm. Plus yeah. I was enjoying it, so you know, yeah. why not? Um, but with the theatrical, that would have had to be like more London-based. Mm. And for me, I've never wanted to kind of be in London too much. So um, so I thought, well, I'll stick with hairdressing for now. And later on, if I want to do theatrical, I can do that. And my parents, parents were pleased about that. Yeah. <laughs> that. But I can imagine it might also mix later on if you were doing shoots or shows. Yeah, Surely yeah. the They're basics of the makeup. skills that blend. Yeah. yeah. So Nick, Nikki, towards your story, had you... Kind of similar, to be honest. I mean, I didn't... Uh, know that I wanted to be a hairdresser at the age of five I think I had friends that would always be like the braider of like my girly group and they'd braid the girls hair and stuff and I'd always be like oh I'd love to do that but it must have been I must have been a little bit older and I started experimenting with crepe paper mm -hmm. I don't know if you can get that in this country actually it's like crinkly it's like yeah, 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 paper. Yeah. if yeah. you wet it I think I made this up myself to be honest but if you wet it and put it on when I was younger I had really blonde hair and I could just colour my own hair and I started doing things like that when I was probably about eight or nine maybe yeah. I'd turn up to school with crazy coloured hair wow that's cool and it just washes out so my parents were like whatever but I also used to do a paper run which got me a hundred dollars an hour um I grew up in New Zealand by the way oh. um so hundred dollars sorry hundred dollars an hour what I am I talking about say, why did you ever leave it yeah <laughs> why am I hairdressing go <laughs> back to know the paper run no a hundred dollars a month sorry and I would go and get my hair coloured and cut at the local salon Wow, that's At what the you chose to spend 10. the money on. Yep, yeah. that's all I wanted to spend my money on. My parents really taught me how to budget and, yeah. you know, learn what to do with money, the value of money at a really young age. And that was what I wanted. I wanted to go get my hair coloured and cut. And whoever was doing my hair, I would say, can I please have your hair? Really? <laughs> exactly what they've got. Yeah. I would say, can I have your hair? Um, but I do remember the women in the salon saying, I'll be surprised if you don't become a hairdresser. And then, you know, five years later, I was working in a really lovely salon in the town and they could see me at all the competitions I was doing and they were like, I knew you'd be a hairdresser. So I think <laughs> they saw it probably more so they probably saw it before my parents really. Yeah. But I also used to do like hair modeling and I think that's probably what excited me about the industry, probably learning it through them. Yeah. So I went and spent the money on getting my hair done, but it also showed me a side of the industry that I didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think people in the UK anyway, that's because you've been here a long hmm. time now, I think, haven't you? Yeah, 13 years. What do you think about the people talking about this crisis of people, of recruitment, that we haven't got enough people coming into the industry, which seems to be a conversation that rears its head every sort of 10 years or so here. But what, do you think that we really do have a problem? What, oh, yeah, what do you think? I think so. I mean, I speak to every single salon owner um, that is in the same predicament, and it's it's tricky. I mean, how can you make people come into the industry like are we not talking to the right people I know there's lots of documentaries and sort of conversations that happen and we're talking to the young generations but I almost think the problem is that people don't want to be employed anymore like we're finding that people don't want to 
be full time five days a week understandably late nights Saturdays so we're all giving away things like oh you can be part time yeah sure you can have a Saturday off yeah have the whole of June off you know and we're yeah. just giving them anything they want which is the only way to keep your staff happy and that's yeah. obviously the way it has to be but mm. it's really tricky because it's not fair for everyone mm. um, but what else can we do I think people from maybe lockdown I think we've all learnt to maybe be a little bit savvier with our own time and yeah and learn what's important and family is more important or yeah. you know you might balance it out in other ways yeah yeah so it's pretty yeah. tricky do you see the same thing um well it, it's tricky I, I remember when I had my salon I always felt this anyway so mm. I don't even think yeah. it's a now thing mm. it was you know when yeah the whole 12 years I found it difficult to find the right people and I always thought it was because I was more in the countryside there um, now we're in Brighton I think a lot of people uh, have heard of Simon Webster and, and yeah, I think they find it quite easy to find um, apprentices there but mm. m- you know possibly maybe some of the other salons in Brighton don't I mm. don't know it's difficult isn't it well I think Simon Webster you have a you have quite a strong character to mm. the name mm. well I know he, Simon obviously has a strong character but mm. I think the brand does yeah and you're in an area part of the world saturated. in Brighton where yeah. people that's going to appeal to a yeah, lot more possibly people a little bit different there than maybe yeah, compared to other places oh, yeah it is tricky I think it's well it's the same old problem we've had since I've ever known people talking about the hairdressing not being respected by parents mm-hmm. as being yeah. which is why I always ask people you know were your parents supportive of you coming into hairdressing because some people would say to me oh well it's because people don't see it as a profession they don't see it as having you know a career pathway I think personally sometimes the industry is a little bit uh uh, secretive about what the opportunity not what the opportunities mm. are but like what you might earn mm-hmm. it's like you know nobody ever says to me what they earn no. sort of thing um, and I, so I think it's like maybe the opportunities are a little bit a best kept secret which is a shame um, yeah no know. that is true it's kind of an unknown you know situation because I think you can it's endless yeah. isn't it what we could earn like if, if you your career can just you can go into anything in this industry and I think that's what excited me about coming into hairdressing mm. is I always saw the connection with fashion, with beauty, with mm, clothing, yeah. like shoots. And that was always way more part of it than just working in a salon five days a week. I think that's this weird thing that we've all got in our head. Like, if you're a hairdresser, you work in some little Nana Backstreet salon. No. Oh, no it's really strange, <laughs> it's, isn't it? Why it has that reputation? And now more than ever, it's actually a very secure uh, profession mm, to come yeah. into. More, the bigger proportion of the high street, there was a report the other day, from the British Beauty Council um, linking to something the BBC was showing where you could see what proportion of the high street was a particular industry mm-hmm. and that hairdressing, as so many other shops are closing, hairdressing has now got a bigger profile on the high street because it's a service yeah. and people will always want somebody else to cut their hair. It's such a treat and so, it is something hopefully people are not going to do at home, right? But, yeah. you know, it's something that I don't think people are going to not have the money for people will always think I need my hair done I'm going to save that and it might just be that they come in less often yeah but certainly the young boys I see are still going to the barbers every six weeks or eight weeks Mm -hmm. um you know so there's there are people coming through with that habit girls still going Mm -hmm. all these girls living at home now got more disposable income to spend Mm -hmm. so you know fingers fingers crossed yeah Let's me bring it back, as we sort of come to the end of our conversation, let me bring it back to the Colour World Genius Awards. So, Caroline, you had the trophy in 2021, the Creative yep. Colourist of the Year. Yeah, I think it was 2021. Nikita, you're holding a, a pair of awards as yes. we speak. <laughs> um, where do awards... So, do you enjoy doing awards? Was it something that you wanted to do to, because it's colour-focused in particular? How, how where, does it help you? Is it something that interests you? 
Um, I, you know, I, I've entered some before and won some before and that kind of thing. And uh, I think it's always good to do because it really pushes you mm-hmm. to kind of do something that might be concocted in your head and make mm-hmm. it make it happen. Um, it's not necessarily a, something a client's going to come and ask you for sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just like, Have you, you got know, an award? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, the ins- what's the inspiration that's coming to me? What's in the deepest, darkest mm, yeah. thoughts of my head? Can I bring it forward and can I make it happen? Like, that's really exciting and it pushes your boundaries. And I think, you know, your clients see that. And even if you don't win, you know, your clients see the image that you've um, mm. made. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, hopefully it looks great and you're pleased with it. Mm. Um, and just, you know, obviously to win it... it it's a great kind of it's a great pat on the back um, yeah. yeah to to get a pat on the back from the industry is is the best feeling ever so definitely. um yeah I think it's a great thing to do and uh and definitely nerves can hold me back and uh definitely get doubts in, in my mind like oh you know you're gonna enter this this time maybe the other time was just a fluke and that kind of thing so um, but I do try and push through that and yeah. um, just make it happen. Self doubt yeah. to one side. Yeah. Good. So you'll be entering again this year. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Nikki's like, yay. <laughs> good, good. And Nikita, what about you? Yeah, no, I'm the same. In between good. holding the baby and yeah, running yeah, the business. Yeah. He'll be there. He'll be like on his carrier. No, um, I'm exactly the same. I think anything that makes you nervous is good. Like, mm. we should continuously push ourselves. And I've been a big part of Colour World now for quite a few years. Um, even in the lockdown days when we were all kind of yeah, filming without, it you know, visors on, on and all of that glamorous life. But no, it's um, an amazing event. I think it's one of the most fun events in the industry yeah. and a great platform for colorists to really just express our artistry. And it's it, sh- it shows clients, well, where there's like commercial categories as well, that you can be that commercial expert. And that's really great for like educating, you know, other colorists in the country and, and just constantly staying up with trends as well as the creative side that I've done sort of winning both platforms um with innovative colorist and commercial it shows that I like to be an artist as well because like you say it's not what the client's going to come and asking for yeah I did like crazy Angelo S waves last year and um it is just good to push those boundaries like that's our only opportunity as hairdressers to go a bit wild and when it comes to doing a photo shoot and we did our shoot last year in our salon we've got a tiny little white wall and that's where we did our shoot we had a professional photographer come in but yeah it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg and yeah. that's what i like about color world the most is it's that is what i like it doesn't well, cost yeah. you five thousand ten thousand yeah. pounds yeah. Yeah. you can you can just get a great model great outfit great makeup artist and mm. you can make yeah. it work and we can all collaborate and work as a team and use the same makeup artist on the day. We're all there together and it's it's just a lovely, relaxed environment. Yeah. I think it's important that we don't ask for collections. I think it means yeah. you can put in sort of single shots and as long as you um, think it through, you know, the clear background and think what is it that you're trying to show yeah. in the yeah. photograph. Exactly. And it's all about the hair and it shows that. It's, as colourists, we're so excited about bright colour, aren't we, that... And I think it's important for Colour World that you do that. You're not, mm. not often going to just turn up with a bombelliage model. I think it's yeah. an opportunity to go wild. So we all do. And I just, for me personally, it's it's a real opportunity to be as creative as I can. And I, I always do something out of the box that I've never done before, which is really scary. But yeah. <laughs> it's a great opportunity to kind of take a risk, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Hope for the best. <laughs> well, we have a new venue this year. So Yay. hopefully I'll see you both at the new venue Definitely. in Hoxton at the Shoreditch Electric. Amazing. We'll be there. In May. Before I let you go, I've got the same question we ask all our guests. Each of you, what three words do you like to hear associated with you as in your work capacity? You know, what three qualities or three words would, would 
make you think, okay, great, I'm, you know, I'm achieving. Uh, pushing boundaries. That's yeah. two words. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a but it's one thought. Okay, okay. allowed another two. Um, creative. Um, what, uh, what's the <laughs> word where you're like um, really wanting to kind of make it as precise as possible? Perfectionist. Perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectionist. Creative. Pushing boundaries. Yeah. Got you. Nikita. No, I really don't know. I've got an absolute mind blank right now. <laughs> Mum brain. Um, I think, I mean, you're quite, in the fact that you've got both those awards, innovative is one and commercial is another, isn't it? You've got yeah. that sort of double spin. Kind of best of both. And maybe that is my thing is, I actually do find it hard to pinpoint what my niche is, to be honest. Yeah, dexterous. Um, yeah. <laughs> A bit of everything. I mean, that is me. I do like to get my, fan, my fingers in all the pies and, you know, yeah. And, yeah. Variety, that well, would be one. Variety is one good. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I need some help. <laughs> I was going to say bit of everything. Yes, yeah. three words. <laughs> You've got it. Yeah, no, good. I don't know. <laughs> I will let you off that. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you, Nikita. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you. Appreciate it's you coming lovely. in. Thank you so much. Thank you to my guests, Nikita Fisher and Caroline Matthew. That was a really interesting conversation and I'm sure you enjoyed listening to it as well. If you like what you heard, do jump over to your podcast providing platforms such as Spotify or iTunes and browse our library of conversations recorded over the last few years. Please rate and review us as well as it helps to drive us up the charts and make hairdressing podcasts easier to find. Until next time, thank you.